Father, here we are, and we want to become worshipers of you, and we want to be better worshipers of you. So speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Communicate to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. First Samuel chapter 7, our big idea is worshipers are used by God at just the right time, in just the right place, at, to just the right people, to the glory of God. You probably won't remember that one, but we're used at just the right time for the glory of God. First Samuel chapter 7, Samuel is now grown up, or he's growing up, and look at what verse 2 says. It says, from the day that the ark was lodged at kirith Jerem, a long time passed, some 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after God. So you remember I told you he, he had to deliver a message to Eli that, all of, that his sons were going to die? In the last chapters, his sons died at a battle, and the ark was taken away. And the ark, they had treated it like a good luck charm. So now 20 years has passed. And so that brings us to our first lesson for today, which is if you want to be used by God, number one, you need to wait on God's timing. Wait on God's timing. So this is 20 years of life that happens in Samuel's life. 20 years past. 20 years of Samuel faithfully worshiping God and challenging others to do the same. 20 years of a nation turning their backs on God. 20 years of what seemed like no change at all. But did you know that if you just constantly drip a drop of water on a rock, eventually you can make it smooth over the years? And God was working in those 20 years as Samuel just faithfully honored God with his life and faithfully worshiped God and encouraged others to do the same. And the reality is, as God works out his master plan, remember that as one wise man has said, God doesn't need your ability, he needs your availability. Some of you would look at your own life and you're like, I'm not that great, I'm not a great public speaker, I'm really nervous when I talk to other people. But God doesn't need your abilities, but your availability to be used by him for his glory. And so allow him to use you by waiting on his timing. Some of you may be used greatly by God, but not for 20 years. So think about it. Are you willing to worship while you're waiting? Because we like overnight success stories, right? We like to say, okay, I'm at camp this weekend and I'm going to commit my life to God and I'm going to go home and tomorrow I lead my friend to Christ and then next week I lead my next friend to Christ and then by the end of the year, our youth group's 150 people and like, God, it's just awesome. What if God wanted you to do that, but he wanted you to do it as a 36-year-old? Are you willing to worship while you're waiting? Are you willing to continue to be faithful, to be used by God in the meantime? If you want to be used by God, wait on God's timing. Number two, teach others to worship God. So Samuel has been faithful, and now it says in verses three and four, Samuel said to all the house of Israel, if you're returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtaroth from among you and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the people of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtaroth. Those are just the two gods that they, were primarily worshiping, and they served the Lord only. If the greatest need in a godless world is worshipers, then we need to know how to teach others to worship God. And so borrowing an illustration of a friend of mine, his name's Chuck DeClean, he said, if the greatest need in the world were bicycles, what would the greatest need for us to be to learn is how to make bikes, right? And if you had to learn how to make bikes, you would want to teach others how to make bikes. So you have to learn like that how to teach others to be disciples. And the reality is some of you here today, 
you don't yet know how to worship God, and you're beginning to go, okay, I'm understanding this idea, and so you're learning. I got to turn my attention to God, and I got to ask other people for help. And that's what worshipers do. We don't just worship God on our own. We learn to help other people as well. So teach others to worship God. And there are four essential aspects of this, which is really interesting. The first one is return. He says in verse 3, Samuel said to the house of Israel, if you are returning to the Lord with your whole heart. This is the idea of repenting. And there's actually a really, really cool story in Luke chapter 16. How many of you have heard of the prodigal son? Okay, I won't ask you how many of you are the prodigal son. Here's a a short story. Thanks for being honest back there. I appreciate that. Someone raised his hand. It's good to be honest. Because some of you know that your hearts aren't following after God. You know it. And we talk about this, so thanks for being honest. And now his friends are going to make fun of him for the rest of the service. But anyway, the prodigal son basically was, he's a teenager, and he goes, Dad, I don't really like you that much. Can you just give me all of my inheritance now? And so his dad dishes out about $500,000. Guess what teens do with large sums of money? Blow it. That's a great, whoever said that, that's great. They blow it. So he goes out and he's partying and he's living it up. And guess what? When you have money, guess what else you attract? Friends. Because guess what? Other teens like to spend money and they like to spend your money. And so he's getting all these friends and everything's great. And then a famine hits and you know the story. All of a sudden he's feeding pigs. And he's like, I'm so hungry, I want to eat the pig slop. And it's really, really interesting because when it says he comes to his senses, he says, I will return to my father. I know, and I'd be lying to myself if I didn't think that some of you are going to go out of here and the next five to ten years, you are going to completely give yourself to the world. You're going to walk out of here. You've heard about worshiping God, and you're going to say, no, I'm going to turn my back on that. I want all the world has to offer. You're going to search for all the pleasure in the world. You're going to drink. You're going to party. You're going to sleep around. All that. But eventually, I hope that there comes a point in your life where you say, I'm going to return. It's the idea of repenting. And when we turn to God, we return and we encourage others. And guys, there are some people in your life that they're going to try the world and they're going to get tired of it. You need to be there as a faithful follower of God to say, return to him. Let her be. He says, put away. Put away. Did you notice he said, return to the Lord with all your heart. Put away your foreign gods. Jesus is not simply an add-on to your life. He doesn't say, add Jesus and keep loving the world. He says, put away your addictions, put away your lust of the flesh, put away your people-pleasing and serve the Lord. And so that's letter C, is direct your heart. So Samuel's saying, hey, if you want to be a worshiper of God, you got to direct your heart to him. You have to love him with all your heart. And Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and you will, do we have the verse, Jeremiah 29, 13? Okay, you will seek me and what? Find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And so we encourage other people that if you want to become a worshiper of God, seek God with all your heart. And then the fourth one is serve him only. When I was in college, um, I became very, very good at Black Ops. Now the original one, like Black Ops 1. And I gave 
hours upon hours upon hours of my life to video games. I have given days of my life to video games. And one of the things as I was growing in my walk with God, I had to realize is I cannot worship video games and God at the same time. And as you think about it in your own life, maybe it's not video games. Maybe you think video games are completely stupid. Think about this. You cannot worship God and pornography at the same time. You cannot worship God and pleasing people at the same time. You cannot worship God and society at the same time. And so the starting point of spiritual victory is when we learn to put away our idols and seek God with our whole heart because we want to love him. In the end of the story, the son says, I'm going to return to my father. I just want to be his servant. And he goes back to his father, and his father sees him from a long ways away. And what does his father do? He goes running out to him. Here's the good news. Even if you are one of those teens, and the next five to ten years you completely live for the world, God allows us and welcomes us back when we say, I'm going to return to my father And we feel like garbage and we say, there's so much of my life that I've already wasted. There's so many scars that I have. And we return to God. And teens, you who worship God, your friends will get tired of the world. So be there, ready to point them to Christ. Because that's number three, teach others to trust Christ. Look at verses five through nine. This is really interesting. Philistines were the bad guys at the time. Then Samuel said, gather all of Israel to Mizpah and pray, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah and drew the water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord and Samuel judged the people at Mizpah. Now when the Philistines, Philistines are good guys or bad guys? Bad guys, yeah. When they heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mizpah, the Lord of the Philistines went against Israel and when the people of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the people of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord your God for us that we may, he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And he cried out to the Lord for Israel and the Lord answered him. This is so cool because what Israel has done is they've trusted in all these judges to save them. And Samuel says, nope, now the time for victory is not you. It's not someone else. It's not your pastor. The time to trust in victory over your enemies is to trust in God. And he points other people to trust in God. And he does that by praying for them. So when we teach others to trust in God, we end up praying for them because we love them. Point number four, though, is to teach others to praise God. This is, you remember how we talked about Ebenezer? We're going to get there. Verse 10 says, As Samuel was offering the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel, but the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were defeated before Israel. And the men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them down as far as below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name, what? Yeah, Ebenezer. He called his name Ebenezer because he said, until this point, the Lord has helped us. The reality is when we begin to turn from God, we forget the good things that God has done in our life. And one of the problems with many teens and adults that I meet today is that we have a photographic memory of our failures and we have a Dory memory of our successes. Does anyone know who Dory is? Okay, 
how good of a memory does Dory have? Not very good. It's like, hi, I'm Pastor Aaron. It's good to meet you. Why are you following me? But what we've done is we engrave our failures in stone and we write our successes in the sand. You know already the things that you have done that are against God. And oftentimes, as you begin to go on your walk, you say, yeah, but at one time I did this, but at one time I struggled with this, but at one time this happened to me. And we engrave all those difficulties in stone, but then to see the victories that God has done in our life, we write them in the sand and we forget them. What has God done in your life? Has he showed up in your life? Have you seen him make a difference in your life? What Samuel does is he says, Israel, you need to remember that God has delivered you. And Satan wants you guys to forget your victories because victories in the past give you strength for today and hope for tomorrow. This is, look at First Samuel, Samuel chapter four. There's only two other times the word Ebenezer is used. First Samuel 4, one says, and the word of the Lord came to all of Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines. They encamped at Ebenezer and the Philistines encamped at Aphek. The only other time it's used is in 1 Samuel 5, verse 1. It says, when the Philistines captured the ark of God, they brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. And you're like, okay, I don't quite get the connection. What does it matter? Basically, the word Ebenezer, the place Ebenezer, was a place of defeat for Israel. The ark of God was like a big, big deal. Can you imagine if someone came and they just completely wiped out your church, completely destroyed. And in that place, every time you thought about it, it made you sad because it's completely gone. Ebenezer was the place where Israel had been wiped out by the Philistines, and now when he says, I'm gonna remember what God has done, he said, here I raise my Ebenezer. So I wonder, do you have Ebenezers in your life? What I mean by that is, have you been born again? Some of you know for sure that you have been born again. Have you raised an Ebenezer in that scenario? Have you remembered when that happened? Did you ever turn from porn or self-gratification or a video game addiction or substance abuse or anger or gluttony or cutting, whatever it is, will you raise your Ebenezer in that? As you think about your life, as you go through life, will you say, I'm gonna watch for what God is doing and I'm gonna raise an Ebenezer. I'm gonna write it down. I'm gonna put a memory somewhere. I'm gonna write in my, the side of my Bible. I'm gonna say, this is where God has helped me. How many of you get scared trying to share the gospel with someone else? Okay. The first time you share the gospel with someone else, it's like absolutely terrifying. And I gotta tell you one of my failure stories because there's probably more of those. Uh, I was one time, I was at a football game with the guy and we're sitting there and you know, I've, I've said tonight that you can't be, or today, that you can't be saved by good works, right? I've said that. Okay, so we're sitting here and he's talking and I'm just like, I'm like so scared about having this conversation. And he basically said, well, my mom was a good person so I know she's in heaven. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, she definitely is. And then I ended up leaving. I was like, wait a minute. I think I just told him that he can get to heaven on good works. That so stinks. But the point was, I absolutely failed in there, but I had a conversation and then I learned to have another conversation. And then you learn to have another conversation. And the first time you have a gospel conversation, raise an Ebenezer. Say, God has helped me with this. The Ebenezer, this is a quote by J. Vernon McGee. He says, it's also a stone of remembrance. It looks back to the past. It's a stone of recognition. It's a stone for the present. And it's a stone of revelation. It's a stone for the future. So number five, teach others to hope in God. Teach others 
to hope in God. Verses 13 through 14. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. The cities that the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron to Gath. And Israel delivered their territory from the hand of the Philistines. And there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. I think we have a really long quote here. Do we have that? The story, talking about Samuel's story, this story gives boundless hope of victory even on the fields of our former defeats. We can master rooted faults of character and overcome temptations which have often conquered us. Let no man say, and let none of you say, ah, I've been beaten so often that I might as well give up the fight altogether. Years and years I've been a slave and everywhere I tread on old battlefields where I've come off second best and I will never be different. I might as well cease struggling. However obstinate the fault, however often it has reestablished its dominion and dragged us back into slavery, that is no reason to give up hope. The warfare of our own evil should be waged in the assurance that every field of our defeat shall one day see set on it the trophy of not our victory, but God in us. That really challenged me because there are a lot of places in my life that I have felt that. Can you go back that one line? That line, years and years I have been a slave. I've felt that. Where you say over and over and over again, I've tried to quit this sin. I've tried to stop struggling with this. And as I studied this, one word jumped out to me. And it's verse 14. The cities that the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel. That word restored absolutely captured my attention because there are things that have happened in your life that you think will never, ever be healed. There are wounds that you have that you think will never be restored. And the God that we worship is a God who restores the years the locusts have eaten the time that you wasted, the sin that you've done with your eyes, with your hands, the sin that's been done against you, he restores that to his glory. And so as we teach others to worship, people come with baggage, a lot of difficulties in their life, and we can teach them that God restores even the years the locusts had eaten. That's a Bible verse, by the way, that just was a blessing to me. Number six is follow up with new worshipers. Samuel, what he would do is every year he would make a circuit, checking in on the people that he'd call back to worship the Lord. And when you help others become followers of God, stay connected with them. Um, If you become a worshiper of God, get connected to a good church, learn to worship God and to stay close to those who know him. And this is my special challenge to you guys. I know those of you who have been in church, I've challenged you a lot. This is my challenge for you is to get connected with someone else who doesn't know God that well and say, hey, I wanna help them begin to know and love and worship God. So my challenge for you to take away from this is commit to worship God and wait. Be faithful until God uses you. Number two, commit to teach others to worship God. And then number three, raise your Ebenezer. And what I mean by that is when God shows up in your life, when he shows up in your church, keep track of it somehow and say, I'm going to remember that God has made a difference in my life. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for each one of these teens.
I don't know exactly what each one of them needs to take away from your word today. But if some of them still have yet not placed their faith in you for eternal life, may they do that. And for those who are Christians and they're, they're living life for themselves or they're only consuming, they're not sharing it with others, teach them to teach others for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.